There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back, people. Yes, you obviously liked us that much. We've decided to make another Hammer podcast where we relive the good times and the bad times of supporting West Ham. I'm back with my old friend, Canning Town Len. Good evening, or good afternoon, or good morning, depending on what time you're listening, Sean says. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, don't take much from Sean. <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't do that because it makes it feel like we listen to him. Yeah. Um, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, decent, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I was quite surprised bad. with the response that we got. I thought we were pretty mediocre, but people liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I must admit, when I was editing it and listening it back, I was like, tut in and, and like, oh, blind, yeah, what have you done there? What you said there? And then you put it out and the, the response was was really, was was a bit overwhelming, to be fair. It, got, it was better than I thought it would be. Yeah, well, um, no one wants to look forward these days, do they? Better off looking backwards. Well, yeah, to be fair, um, there's not a lot to look forward to at the moment, is there? No. But you, you never know. You never know. This season we're looking at now is 1990-1991, people. Well, we take a look at four of the five best games from that season that ended up in, in, in promotion for the Amers. Now, I'll quickly run through. 
Billy Bonds was the manager. This was his first full season after taking over from Lou Macari halfway through the previous season. Julian Dix was the club captain, but he was out for injured most of the season. Ian Bishop stood in yeah. as, as, as captain for, for most of the season, to be fair. Of course, Alvin was out a lot that season as well, wasn't he? Yes. So so Alvin literally played, he played after season 20 league games. That's it. And three league cups. So it seems after Christmas, he was gone. Uh, Julian Dix literally only played 13 games. That was it. He was gone. Uh, I'm looking at this this uh, this lineup now. A bit of a uh, a new beginning for us, wasn't it? A lot of the old school. Devon, Phil are gone, and um, we brought Ludo in, and you know that's a pretty fresh looking lineup. Yeah, Ludo, Steve Potts. This is how we started the season. Julian Dix. Uh, Colin Foster, um, yeah. who had joined the previous season. Alvin had started it. Kevin Keane. Bishop, again, had only been there six months. McAvenny was, you know, back to fitness. Stuart Slater, you know, was starting to make, you know, make a name for himself. Martin Allen and Trevor Morley. The start of the season started off with a couple of draws. Nil-nil away to Middlesbrough. And then we had a one-all draw with Portsmouth. And then, I don't know if you remember the Watford game at the beginning of the season. Um, 1-0. Do you remember who came back to play against us? Dev. It would have been Dev come back, wouldn't it? Yeah, Alan Devonshire. I don't recall him playing there for long. He was only there that season, I think, before before everything caught up with him. And then, of course, we, we kind of replaced him with Stuart Slater. Similar player, Pacey from the left, but come inside onto his right. Am I right saying that? Yes. Oh, I yeah. remember seeing Stuart Sayer a, a southeastern combination game against Tottenham. He played up front and we lost 12-1. We did get the goal. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't say too much about him. Oh, the other 10 players, no, you never heard of them again. I mean, the, the season sort of, we, we, we had a few wins and we had a few chores. We, we, we weren't getting beat. No. We then welcomed in Hull City at the beginning of October. Things um, clicked for, on that game, didn't they? For Yeah, where, it, as I said, we, we'd won a couple, drawn mainly. We'd just come off the back of beating Oxford at home and then in the midweek, and then we played Hull on the Saturday. And then, literally, yeah, we seemed to take fire that day. Paris bringing West Ham forward, and it's a good ball to Quinn! finish for Jimmy Quinn and West Ham take the lead the whole defence nowhere to be seen 1-0 West Ham the whole looking a little overawed in the early stages here but this attack looks more promising for them and that's a useful ball and a mistake by the goalkeeper and Hockaday brings Hull City level what a surprise up the shot oh dear what an awful mistake by the whole city goalkeeper and Steve Potts of all people has scored but do you remember Steve Potts goal I remember it was his only goal did the, was the it? keeper make a bit of a mess of it yeah <laughs> he dropped it through his le- his legs he did didn't he it was like a 35 yard I would yeah. like to say pole driver but I'm being a bit polite to uh, Stevie Potts there <laughs> Potts recording his first goal for West Ham 
He won't get a luckier one. And that's a penalty, surely. Yes, the referee points to the spot. And West Ham have a penalty and no question about it. And Dix thunders it home. Well, he comes from the old-fashioned school of penalty takers, Julian Dix. 3-1 to West Ham. Potts thought about another shot after his uh, luck with the earlier effort. Keane doing well. That's a lovely little dummy. And Paris! It took a massive deflection, but George Paris claims it. And West Ham lead 4-1. Hull City being torn apart here now. Paris coming forward again. Oh, that's a brilliant finish by Quinn. His second of the game, West Ham's fifth. West Ham looking rampant here now. Hull City simply have no answer to this. And there's another goal. Morley. It's six for West Ham. They never dealt with the corner. And Morley from inside the six-yard box wasn't going to miss that chance. West Ham showing no signs of taking their foot off the pedal. And Julian Dix has got forward and scored. Seven. The humiliation complete surely now for Hull City. Julian Dix gets his second goal of the game. And it's West Ham seven. Hull City one. Jimmy Quinn, who was a big favourite of mine. Yeah. The mighty Quinn. He, he got a couple of goals there. Because he was struggling to get in the team, wasn't he? He didn't get in the team straight away because Frank come back. I remember going, there was a, a big turnover of strikers that season. We had a lot of strikers in our books. And then I recall at the end of the season, we had the, the audacity to buy in Dowie as well. But who did we... Because Trevor and Morley was there, he was banging them in. Well, Morley and McAvenny were the main two strikers. I mean, you, you did have, as I say, Jimmy Quinn. I mean, he played he played 16 games. I, f- I don't know if when we let him go, I can't remember if we let him go when Dowie came in, in the March, I believe, from Luton. Yes, right. Luton were the division above us then. Yeah, Stuart Slater, obviously. He still had Leroy, didn't we? Was he injured or something, or was he just not? He literally played two substitute appearances, Leroy, that season. Yeah. So it was obviously, he, I mean, his knees were shot to pieces, wasn't it? Yeah. We signed Leroy. When did we sign Leroy? 88? He was caught his replacement, wasn't he? Yeah, his goals kept us up. We signed him halfway through the season. Yeah. From QPR. Fulham, wasn't it? No, he, I thought it was QPR. I remember going, this is mad, I went to the 1986 Milk Cup final, Oxford against QPR. That's right. Because QPR was on right. the bench. Well, you probably are now. You generally are, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, he did start his career at Fulham. He did, didn't he? He did start his career right. at Fulham, but I think we signed him from QPR. Yeah, you're probably I remember right. he, he came in late, Banged a few goals in, and because the goals kept us up, I think he got one against Watford. He got four against Chelsea, didn't he? Did, he did. He, I know he's, we did score four against Chelsea. I know he got. He, he possibly could have got all four. Here we go. Chelsea. He got two. Oh, okay. We beat Chelsea four-one. Yeah, that sounds about right. And if I mean, I know we're not covering this season, but that that game, I believe, um, put Chelsea in the playoffs. And Chelsea got relegated, oh, lost well. in the playoffs. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah, that's something for the young. If there are, if we've got any young listeners, that's something for them to, uh, to tell the grandchildren about. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, I'm looking at that table quickly since we've started on it. So Chelsea finished fourth from bottom, 18th. 
There was 21 teams in the league, Chelsea, Charlton, West Ham, all on 42 points. And believe it or not, yeah, we had minus 12, Charlton had minus 14, Chelsea had minus 18. Good year for the London clubs, didn't we, at that? Yeah, we done well there, didn't we? <laughs> anyway, jumping forward back yeah. to 1991. I mean, we didn't lose our first game, funny enough, till December. We were playing Barnsley away, 1-0. Oh, Christ. I never so, knew that. that uh, so, but again, for me, the season was very hit or, or, or miss, the start of it. it was, we, we were winning a lot, but we were also drawing a lot. Yeah, we weren't clicking, I would say, from my recollection. We were shifting the, the players, the team wasn't settled. What did you think of Bonds as a manager? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, as you know. I recall it, everything being quite, coming in, everyone being pleased that, you know, one of our own was back. And I thought we were doing well. But when you look back on it, a lot of players in that era uh, were signed by Makari were actually good players that stayed for quite a while. And I, when I'm saying this, and I could be wrong, uh, I'm pretty sure Ludo was signed by Macari, Martin Allen might have been Macari, Trevor Mordy and Macari, and all these, these these players were were, were good players. And I, I remember, obviously, the, the, the star was improving. But as it turns out, the players were saying he wasn't a great manager. Am I right in saying that? I suppose what I'm trying to say is I want, I, I want you know, I wanted Bill to be a good manager. It felt like our West Ham was back. Yeah, I mean, for me, Bonds, the style of football, I don't know if it was whether because it was sort of the transition period. We'd had the Lyle era. Macari come in and for whatever reason then left the club under because of betting scandal. He decided to leave himself. He could have stayed. I'd, I'd like to have seen more of Macari. I think he's, he gets a bad press now. When you you just rattled off the signings, McClosco. Martin Allen, Bishop, Morley, um, Jimmy Quinn, you know, all good signings, all, all players that, that actually were the backbone of this team that Bonds picked up and ran with. Bonzo, for me, don't class him as a great manager. It's, it's a bit hard because he's like, when he's your hero as a kid, as a player, and, and for me, he epitomises everything that West Ham should, should be. As a manager, he didn't really do it for me, I must admit. The fact that he went on to QPR and Millwall and really didn't achieve anything with him for me sort of highlighted his, his um, lack of managerial skills. Yeah. I think he could, he could have only done a job at West Ham, couldn't he, really? He was the right man at that time, though, for the club to turn to well, after Macari. A lot of people thought at the time, uh, with a John Larsak in, it was the right time for Bill to come in and then move John upstairs and keep the same progression that we had with Ron and John and then John and Bill. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that was Phil Parks' opinion. But then you, you're trying to think after Bill, who would you have chosen to sort of come after Bill? Let's say Bill done five or six years. Let's say it was a success and done five or six years. Who would you add after Bill take the rein? Well, I t- personally, I know it's the same thing. I thought... Redknapp was was made to be a West Ham manager yourself. Mm, maybe I didn't see him as a player, so for me it was it was pretty much an outsider coming in. I suppose you're the same now, aren't you? Really? Well, yeah. It's, 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 Harry knew knew my uncle, 
who used to take me West Ham. And a couple of times in the late 70s, early 80s, I remember one game, we, the first time I met him, he, he shouted out my uncle's name as we was leaving the ground and we walked along talking and then they stopped and talked. You know, you think, I just want to go home. Yeah. And they're standing talking and as we walk away, he goes, oh, did you see that man there? He used to play for West Ham. And I was like, oh, who is he? He said, oh, Harry Redknapp. And we bumped into him again at another game. So... He was always there, but of course I didn't realise at the time he was Frank Lampard's brother-in-law. You know, for me, Harry always did keep that connection with West Ham. We played Oldham Athletic on Boxing Day. We were top of the table at the time. Yep. Shit ass their way to the top, Oldham, as I well, recall. Yeah. Nasty pitch, long punt, long punt up there, big bounce, Marshall at the end of it, nodding it down and often that Richie knocking it in. Yeah, Which Richie was the, was the player I remember up yeah. front for them. But the, the stat I wanted to highlight, which I never realised, and that was the first Boxing Day win since 1977. Get out of town. Yeah, I know. That can't I'm, be right. We beat, not, the, uh, we beat the Orient in Sydney. Not on Boxing no, we Day. No, we didn't. That was January no, the 1st. Right. They beat us, that's right. I know what you was thinking. In 1980, we beat them 4-0. Yeah, yeah, we did, you're right. But that was that was New Year's Day. But yeah, December the 6th, it's in the programme. We're trying to end our 13-year jinx. Alvin Martin hadn't played for West Ham yet. Parks and Stewart still hadn't joined West Ham. And David Cross made his own debut with the Hammers against Birmingham in a 1-0 win. That was my first season at watching West Ham properly. It stunned me because I'm thinking, did I really wait 13 years for my second Boxing Day win? That is quite astonishing. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, a lot of time we'd have been playing Tottenham, wouldn't we? We had Boxing Day. I'll tell you the funny thing is, two years later, 1979, Boxing Day got called off. Uh, we had Birmingham City again. And I know because I've got both the programmes. I've got the programme from the game that was never played because um, my uncle come round, picked me up. I don't think the game's going to be played. And I, I said, oh, we've got to go, we've got to go, we've got to go. So I made him take me to the ground. I mean, we only lived a five-minute drive. Up we go, it's no game. But the programme seller was there, so we bought a programme. Of course, the game was never played, so the programme's now worth like 10 times. But the side thing, what, why that was a big thing, was that when we played in 1980, um, Bonzo got sent off in the replay and nearly missed a cup final. That's right, we appealed and... Yeah, and we got away got a with bit it. Of magic. I left that little bit out of the film. I couldn't, none of the boys remembered it. They remembered... Um, in getting away with it, but they don't recall the actual story. Well, he had a fight over by the chicken run with Colin yeah. Todd. Yeah, bit silly, really. Yeah. So, yeah, 13 years without winning and, until that day, uh, which makes you wonder something I'll probably check out then. How good are we on Boxing Day? Not because, <laughs> Yeah, now I'm beginning to think, I used to do a lot of Boxing Day games at home or away. We, we went through a period of like Wimbledon, a few Tottenham's. Portsmouth become one, didn't it? Portsmouth, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, um, Craig Bellamy one year, I think, tore them apart. I mean, it was a big win in a way because that, I mean, before kickoff, we were three points clear of Oldham. So we were top of the table, 47 points. Oldham was second on 44. So it would have put us on 50 points going into January. Get in. So running away with a the league there. Then we go into the FA Cup. Get in. Third round. All the shot. All the shot. 
away. Do, what I'm was special about the, the first game? Uh, let me try and think what was special about all this shot. <laughs> no, go on. It was played at Upton Park. West Ham were the away team. All the shot uh, switched the tie for the money to Upton Park, but all the shot were the um, home team. They done well yeah. at home, didn't they? Yeah, they did because they got a nil-nil draw. Yeah, they didn't do too well. To, they didn't do too well on the away leg. <laughs> no, yeah. I spoke to my friend BSB from West Ham till I die about the cup run. That cup run that year started off, didn't it? We had all we had all the shot play at home, or didn't have to play at home. It's when you, when the lower teams could um, decide to give up home advantage for the more dough. Try you not can't do it now, can you? They changed it, but all the shot wanted to play at our ground, didn't they? And we played in white. And we drew, and we drew, didn't we? And then done them in a replay. That often happened with the lower league teams, didn't it? They get, they get one bite of the cherry, then you you find out what they've got to offer, which is very little, and they want it full of endeavour. But over two games, if you don't put them out, it's ain't wrong with you. We then get drawn in the next round of the cup against Luton Town. Yeah, not the kindest of draws. We we didn't we, we shit against Luton for some unknown reason, and I remember listening to it on the radio. George Paris, who was having a great season, put us ahead. We were trying to hang on, and I'm pretty sure we we, we didn't. They got the equaliser, but that was enough. Just getting us out of that place, off the plastic pitch, and getting them home was enough for me. And we'd done the business at home. Five goals to nil in the replay. Until what happened, we went to Luton. I went to Luton. I can remember. I went to Luton, and we were 1-0 up, and they got a late equaliser, didn't they? Or not that late in the game, but... But that's Steve Williams, horrible man. <laughs> Ask any others who used to watch when he played for Arsenal and all, didn't he, Steve Williams? And he'd either set their equaliser up or scored it himself. Mm. Played a big role in it. If you look at that, that, that old cup run, though, until we got to Everton, so OK, we, we had a good side and we was against the odds. We, we was probably, although Luton were above us at the time, I don't remember, I, I think I really looked when in that game feeling filling the underdog. We then drew uh, Crew Alexander away. I must admit, I know nothing of this game. Then it was crew, wasn't it? Another own draw. I think it was 1-0 from memory. What a nice scoring game, because they probably had a good battle. This Dario Grady was still manager, wasn't he? I remember them come. I remember when we, got, when we, uh, when we drew them, I thought, oh, that'd be, that'd be, we should beat them. But it'd be a difficult game, because Grady was beating up. It was knocking all sorts. They was, was supplying players to big clubs, weren't they? I mean, I think that Craig Ignit played. The crew for memory, and he ended up going to Middlesbrough. Then he was a decent player. Yeah, that was good. That was a good side crew, good club. It's one of them clubs you did not want to draw. If you if you wanted, you know, they weren't easy. They used to turn a lot of sides over, didn't they? I, I remember us drawing crew, and I remember us playing, and I see the result one nil, but I don't remember much about it. But I was glad we got through. <laughs> so I did fancy a cup one. You do in the second division, didn't you? You fancy yeah, I- chances. You, you, you do you do fancy your chances. Obviously, it was good to get a lower league team drawn against us. Even though it was away, you still fancy your chances. You know, especially after putting Luton away. We were at the end of the day, we're, we're a good first division team at the time. After the crew game, we got drawn against Everton. Yeah, in the quarter final of the FA Cup. Tony Gale, that ball goes out wide. Timmy Breaker. Finds Gale, Paris inside in Paris, the side foot effort, and Neville Southall makes a fine save. Ian Bishop, it's his former club, throws it in, Southall, good punch away. Breaker follows up for West Ham. Foster, 1 0 
to West Ham United and Colin Foster, the man who dreams of Forest in the semi-final, puts the Hammers ahead. Breakers cross and look at the way Foster takes it. He took it like a striker. Colin Foster. Timmy Breaker. Nice turn. Poor clearance by Dave Watson. Hewton. Slater. Stuart Slater! 2-0 to West Ham United. And Stuart Slater, who's run them ragged all night, puts the Hammers firmly in the driving seat now. Keown standing off. He dipped inside Watson. It went through Watson's legs. Everton really playing for desperation now. Watson! And Watson pulls one back. And with four minutes to go, we have a cup tie. What I remember is I remember Cotty coming on in the Everton game and getting a lot of stick from people. He said, come on as a sub, so... Would this have been his first time back, possibly? No. It could have been, could he? He joined them... No, I'm wrong. He joined them a few years earlier, hadn't he? So he joined them in 88. Yeah. he scored an trick on his debut. That's right, yeah. And he come on our place and got a warm... Reception. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was funny because I, I know there was a lot of when 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 CC left the club, it, it, you know, it it we had struggled the season he left. Yeah. And he obviously felt he needed to move on for his own career, which is hard as a West Ham to hear a West Ham fan admit, you know, he wants to do better than us. Cracking volley by Colin Foster to put us one up and I'm pretty sure and it was it was Stuart Slater's finest hour it was the Stuart Slater show I remember standing outside managed to blag a couple of tickets outside because I was taking my girlfriend we, we were lucky enough to get in there was loads running around trying to get tickets I do remember the Everton game in that North Bank it was Sardinesville uh, yeah. More than oh no, I'm looking at it. The, the capacity in front of me, twenty thousand one hundred and sixty-two, and I, I think that's why I, it was such a memorable night because you're moving all about the place. But then, obviously, with, with that great Everton win, we get drawn um, against Forest, and I fancied my chances. I did. I must admit, I thought we were going to win the cup that year. Uh, you're not the only one. Mm. You're not the only one, and no, there's I'm, a reason. Go on, you know my reason why. Uh, no, go it, come, on. it comes to in every football fan's life. They have a cup final. There's the cup final day that's going to clash with a wedding, and it was my brother's wedding that year. And you just know, you just think to yourself, you know, it's going to be West Ham, probably either a repeat of West Ham Arsenal or a repeat of West Ham Spurs, and it weren't. Did you get to the game? I did. I did. I remember driving up there in my mini metro turbo yeah, up to a bit of park full of oak getting in. We, we Was it the whole end? I think yes. it, was, it was the whole end, wasn't it? Plenty of us in there. We had half of that. I mean, we're going to hear from my mate's um, BSB from West Ham till I die. He's going to, he's going to give us a little five minutes of, or, or ten minutes of, of his memories of the day. Well... What day that was. Um, Arsenal were playing Spurs at Wembley. I, I think I'm right. That was the first semi-final played at Wembley. They hadn't, they'd never been won there before. And we decided we were going to 
get a minibus, get up to Villa Park early, and we've got one of them camping tellies <laughs> that you can plug into a fag lighter. I'd have found, I think, it was from Kennings or somewhere, and I had mates in Eltham, South London, all round the periphery of uh, Dagnum and Ongchurch. I had about six or seven pickups. Unbeknown to me, and if anyone remembers this, you see a picture of a geezer in a woman's dress on the back of a minibus. That was me. Because <laughs> what they'd done, my woman, bless her, had decided to give her, be a right snide and supply a photo to me mates of me wearing one of her dresses. <laughs> Which was for, I'd done a fancy dress, straight up, I'd done a fancy dress for something on a caravan holiday. And she supplied them the Judas with his photo. And uh, they stuck it all over the back windows of the bus blown up. This is our driver. And I kept getting toots going down the road. <laughs> and I thought, oh, it was Amherst fans. We were, loads of us starting early, but of course it weren't. It was a picture of me in a woman's dress. So that's, that's by the by. But um, we run into a lot of, lot of Tottenham fans early because they, their game kicks off much at 12 o'clock, I think it was. They had the early kickoff, yeah. They had the early kickoff. So all the M, when we was going around the M25 early, it was full of them going to Wembley. And that's when the banter started. So the day started off well there, as you can imagine. Anyway, we get up to Birmingham right early in time of their kickoff, and we plotted up uh, near his Villa Park because we was allowed to park. All the lads got out and raided an off license, and then we set this telly up. <laughs> you imagine this is like a dozen geezers. Hold the area up that way. Hold the area up this way. We got it stuck up on the roof. We're moving it about, but we managed. We managed to watch their game, and of course, Gaza. Gazza uh, scored that brilliant free kick, didn't he? And when they got through, the buzz amongst us, and I'm sure everyone else, was Tottenham's in the final. We got a win. Put the excitement and anticipation level up. Oh, unbelievable, wasn't it? Because they, they'd already won. You so wanted to win that game then and get through to play them. And of course, um, we got in the ground right early. And that was the first time I've been in the old end because uh, for the... Now, tell you, for the Everton semi-final, we was, we had half the old end, that's right. But for the Ipswich one, well, was that the Witten rolling, that's right. For the Everton semi-final, the FA Cup, we had half the old end. And it was, uh, oh, mate, the atmosphere was electric in there, wasn't it, for that? I'd never felt so confident going into a game. I thought it was written. I thought, us and Spurs at Wembley for the final, I thought we're going to win this. And I, I just, Clough's team's in. It wasn't, okay, we all know what a brilliant manager he was, but he was on a rebuild, wasn't he? He had these young, unknown players. He had Keane, either kid. He had um, Wone, who's now a coach somewhere. I see him on the telly the other day. Ian Wone, brought him, he brought him into the team. And they said, who's this kid he's going to start? Ian Wone, no one's heard of him. There was another couple of other players that no one had heard of. And we were so full of confidence. This is Gary Charles. Everyone knew about him, though. I didn't know the young boy's a good player. Well, the thing with Bluff was, you used to get players from nowhere, and all of a sudden they become household names. Did it first time around when he put Kenny Burns at centre half. So you, you were playing Clough, let's have it right. We were, we were playing Clough, and you thought, these kids have got to be good, as they wouldn't be in there. But we weren't fearful. We was everyone, the mood among our fans, not only in our group, but everyone you was walking into and see, because when you go to a game like that, you bump into faces from everywhere. You, you see. Oh, but Jay, you're doing all right, son. You bump into hundreds of people, you know, don't you? Yeah. Semi semi final, and the mood was so upbeat. We were going to win that. And I still maintain it. I know it's easy to say, but without that, I think we would have turned them over. Without the Tony Gow, of course, the sending off by Hackett, I really think we that was going to be our day. That was meant to be.
and uh, he ruined it all, didn't he? But the atmosphere, the atmosphere from when before kick off to when it when Tony Gale walked off, it just galvanised everybody, and that was even the press and the TV companies were commenting about the atmosphere. It was sung for ninety minutes, and people would say, "Oh, it's exaggerating." Speak to youngins now about it who weren't there. They think you're making it up, but we really did sink the ninety minutes. It was a brilliant atmosphere, wasn't it? Terrible, terrible result. <laughs> but Forrest that day, it was it was a proper atmosphere, and they just stood back in amazement and looked. The Forest fans really they didn't they they thought well it's ain't that we might be winning this game, but it ain't that day for the for the banter and the singing. We just got to stand and applaud that lot because that's how it seemed. Because I weren't too far from the divide. And they were singing their songs, as they actually do in, in a normal situation. But, you know, it, to be honest with you, for most of the time, it just stood and looked in amazement. They were, you know, it was just, we met um, a mob in a petrol garage coming home. They said, car, oh, go, you know, fair play, you know, okay, we won the game. You know, you was brilliant, that type of thing, you know. It was, mm. it, yeah. I think this is why I was amazed you walked off, because I, well, I'd heard about the new ruling, and everyone was talking was talking about it in a way, up there, you chewed a fat, didn't you? Yeah. About everything. Oh, that new rule comes in today. Going, yeah, if you, if you threw on, what's that mean? We're all throwing it around. Well, if you threw on goal and you get fouled, you can you, you walk, it's a red card. Mm. So we all knew about it, but from the behind the goal, Nigel, and as you remember, that was clearly going out of the corner flag. Yeah. That was the mm. thing where I thought, everyone, as soon as it happened, we're all in that little huddle, you could go off here. And so, nah, nah, that's not, that's not a goal score, not maturity or, or going towards goal. He's, he's pushed that wide. Mm. I mean, we can't, couldn't see it was a foul where we were either you, you couldn't no it can't be sort of coming together but it was going to the corner flag and that was what amazed that's why everyone done their nut and went mad so well that's how it is you know you, well just thought he wanted to be the ref because uh, in his day like, he was the one he was the high profile one wasn't he and then I just thought oh, he wants to be the man that wants to be the, the, like, the first one to do it well I was I was absolutely gutted because I thought we are, it was that prize. Not only was it a, listen, let's have it right. In normal cup runs, and every the cup, the few times we've been in a final in my lifetime, the sem, as vivid as the finals, the, the quarter finals a special day if you get an home draw. That used to be magic. Getting through the semi final was brilliant. Getting to Wembley was obviously the ice on the cake. But for me, for me, in terms of an event and the actual buzz, a semi final is. is as good, if not better, in a final. Them Villa Park semi-finals, mate. They're, if I shut my eyes and think football, what comes to mind is the is the semi-finals, the Stamford Bridge replay against Ipswich, the uh, the Everton at Ellen Road, the Frank fell over, bang, they 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 jump out at you. And then of course the finals are like a big event, a big winning really beating the Arsenal was fantastic. Going there, a League Cup final with uh, Liverpool was brilliant. But for me, the semi-finals, there was something, there was something special about getting to a semi. The final takes care of itself, doesn't it? It's that, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's that big Wembley event. But the semis were special in their own way. And I put them on a par, if not better. Just, just me. Villa Park for semi-finals was absolutely brilliant day. Brilliant day out there. And um, yeah, but no, it's um, the semi-finals for me at Villa Park, I don't... I know why Wembley's got to be used now because they own the stadium, they're fading, and they're going to want to pay for it. It's, it's illogical not to have it there, but something's been lost by them great semi finals. How much damn is that? Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yes. Yeah, that is, that, that, that is, you know, West Ham way for me is what can go wrong will go wrong. The sending off was, was after 30 minutes. So we still had an hour of the game to play. And for me, I, we were still in the game at half-time, nil-nil. It was half-hour, was it? It felt earlier than that. Oh. I do have a recollection of us hitting the post in the first half in front of us. Might have been just before like, just before half-time. Yeah. Um, it must be great listening to two blokes going to a game, one of our most memorable games, and we don't remember much of it. <laughs> I remember being where I can tell you point me out and on the whole end. Um, we were halfway back, pending on the corner. There was West Ham fans in fancy dress behind the dugout, which was quite funny. One of them was dressed as a Viking. Um, <laughs> random. And there was a clown now, I think, as well. So God knows who these were. The second half, obviously, is more notable. The way the fans reacted to what was happening in front of us. So as Forrest started scoring, we started doing this. I mean, that's just a snapshot for, for those that weren't there. How long did we sing that for? It felt like the entire 
second half. Well, certainly, my throat felt like that. It, I, I've never seen anything before or since in that that amount of continuous cheering, and no one wanted to stop because we were determined to leave Villa Park winning something. Don't think that's ever been matched anywhere. It was quite remarkable. Yeah, for me, my finest moments as a West Ham fan that that's in my top three. Yeah. That but that that game. The the, yeah. the the way that we reacted louder and louder as as each goal went in. Um and I remember for more than uh, you know for for different reasons, which I'll share with people is is the fourth goal. Forrest's fourth goal was late in the game and we just got louder. We didn't even stop or pause. No. It was sheer defiance, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it was bittersweet for me. The fourth goal for Forrest was scored by a lad called Gary Charles, who would later find fame for being the man that Gaza wrecked his knee on and perhaps would find shame for spending three years or two and a half years at West Ham and only playing five games and the career ending in injury and acrimony as his life spiralled out of control. Bittersweet for me because... Um, I was friends with Gary for two and a half years. We both went Cumberland School, met on the first day there. We got friend. We became friends because we were West Ham fans. Uh, we became friends over the fact we'd both been a mascot, and he had been the mascot at the Cambridge United game in the snow in 1979, a game that I'd been at, and my uncle, uh, we remembered him being the mascot. And a friendship grew out of that. And as two kids that both dreamt of being pro footballers, to actually see your mate become a pro footballer, you know, it's, it is a proud moment in a way, as it was when he pulled on the West Ham shirt. Yeah, we, we just kept going and going. And then on the final whistle, it, if you look back now at the videos on YouTube, all you see is the West Ham fans singing and chanting non-stop. Even after the final whistle, West Ham fans are on the pitch hugging their players. I, I think the performance, I think they did West Ham so proud that day. And I've done my brother proud as well because I could turn up for his wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a dilemma. Just just imagine that West Ham win and we go to Wembley. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, I'd have gone to Wembley. Yeah. He knows that, he knows that. They divorced now anyway, so we want to give them a <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Lee's quite happy. <laughs> 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 <I'm> no, <knowing> that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. All's well yeah. that ends well, anyway. Yeah, exactly. The, I, I mean, coming out after it is funny. Uh, but, but as was the fashion of the day, I had quite long hair, you know, in the old curtains, Manchester hippie style. My mate had even longer hair. As we as we stopped at the Nuneaton services after, we got out of the van, walking in to get something to eat, and some West Ham fan went, fucking hell, look, it's Bishop of Morley. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, I, 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 I didn't have a tash, but I had like long like hair, like curtain style, as in Trevor Morley. And <laughs> I had, it, it's quite funny because I think of it, because he even had that wave in his hair, like a natural wave. He had yeah. like a lion's mane, which was very yeah. Bishop-like. Uh, back in the day, we got, I got an interview that, that, that we played that I did a few years ago with Keith Hackett myself, 
Keith, you say that if, that, if that's sending off uh, or offence that took place a week before, that that sending off uh, would not have happened because the FA changed the rules? Yes. What they did was, um, I mean, it's absolutely right. The week before, if Tony had committed that, I'd have just awarded a free kick. But what happened was, leading up to the cup final, well into the season, the FA suddenly called us together at a meeting in Coventry and to our amazement said, look guys, you're not in applying the law correctly on denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity and they then issue a criteria as a result I'm the next referee up and I'm, I'm like when, I, when I've like issued the red card, there's, there's Gary Crosby and others are looking at me and saying, have you got that right Keith? And Tony's on his way off, absolutely stunned. He didn't overreact, he just went like, what? And, and I sort of then, from that, said, if I ever get in... I, first of all, I go into the car park, I threw my kit in. I'm absolutely unhappy. And, um, and a guy from the FA came up to me and said, listen, if you hadn't sent him off, we'd have suspended you. And I go, I told him where to go off. And, and then I said... There should never be a point at which a law interpretation or a law change should be introduced or discussed or changed during a season. And that clubs must be aware of any law change. As a result of that, when I became the boss, I said, right, I want the managers in, in three venues, so we give them the opportunity to come to one of the venues, and I'll run through the law changes specific, and our referees will go into the clubs and explain the law changes. And, and only because of that particular incident. And, uh, you know, I mean, when you look at it, Tony Gale was an absolute key player in that team. I'd refereed West Ham before, I had them against Coventry, terrific match. And, uh, and I had, you know, I worked in, believe it or not, I worked in Romford. So can you imagine going into the works area and like getting absolutely castigated by the staff? So it was not a happy time for me and it's one of my biggest regrets that I was put in a position with left with no alternative other than to dismiss. I mean, do you think that would be a sending off nowadays? No. Because the criteria that has to be is that the probability, in this case Crosby, of controlling the ball. But if you look at it, the ball, the ball and, and the players are supposed to be moving towards the goal. And if you actually look at it now, you can see... I had an excuse, if you like, and maybe it's me reviewing it. I had an excuse in that situation. Crosby was not... Although he was left-footed, that do not come into account. There was movement away from goal. It looked like, to me, a coming together of two players chasing down the ball. Well, that's exactly how Tony explains it. I mean, Tony explains that. And uh, at, at the end of the day, when you, when a lot, a lot of times when you're reviewing this... You know, you're looking at the player, and he's not a dishonest player. You know, he's not, he's not someone who griped for gripe's sake. He came up, we had a genuine discussion, and my view has changed. I mean, at the time, I apologised anyway to him, uh, because uh, I knew that he was put in a position where, as I said before, 
and this might amaze your your listeners if that had happened a week before if that had happened on a Wednesday night and a midweek game Tony Gale would have only been given against him a foul lastly then you uh, big um, approver of technology in helping decisions do you think technology would have helped you in that decision then? yeah I think I think first of all I might not have even required it in truth but the reality is the game, I am now to avoid that type of error you know we're talking about just just think about this not the money side of it you know the facts are that a player a player's opportunity to go to Wembley might only come once in a career and my decision has affected the opportunity of that player going to Wembley and perhaps winning a medal but the other side of it is look at all those fans that have come up from London to Aston Villa paid good money with all the things that happened and I've copped it up West Ham fans rightly gave me a lot of stick on the day and for months afterwards yeah, I, I had a car sticker. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, can... I had a car sticker that said, Keith Hackett is a cheat. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, the, the great the great thing was, somebody sent me a recording that, that was with the chance of every time a referee gave a bad decision at West Ham, it was, are you Hackett in disguise? And well, I'm, I'm, I mildly find that amusing, but at the same time, it reminds me of perhaps the worst decision that I ever had to make in football in my career. And I had 34 years of active refereeing. There are many who still watch West Ham and I ruined their day. And I apologise for that. But at the same time, I shoulder some of that blame. But at the end of the day, I put the blame onto the FA for making that change and the player not know. Not, neither player, neither manager knew about that, in, that changed interpretation. I find it very hard to accept that I know Keith said that it was in the FA had, had said to him uh, virtually in the car park afterwards, great decision, Keith. Uh, if you hadn't sent Tony off, then probably you wouldn't have refereed another game. But I find yeah. that a little bit hard to believe. Um, and I still, even when I saw Keith, um, all the pickable stuff, and I had done an interview with him, I still thought it was a decision, it was an egotistical decision that he thought he would be the first to make that decision after that ruling came out and I've seen the, I haven't seen the video for ages and I saw yeah. it and I'm really even today's current standards where it's so you know so strict I still wouldn't have got sent off and I still don't think I actually fouled him so I know the ruling had come out in that midweek and we were aware of that we've been you know there was quite a, um, a little bit of publicity about it but you know if I honestly had meant to take Gary Cosby down then I might have accepted the decision but um, in all, all quite honestly, it was just a tangle of legs. And if you look at the angle that we was um, we were running at, uh, when everybody looks at the video and look at all the players around that were affecting it, and I know the, the wordings of the law have changed now, but still, for the life of me, he would have had everything to do to score a goal. Um, and you know, I still I still can't see it as a sending off, and it ruined everyone's yeah. day, mine. But funny enough, out of that day. Uh, there was a kind of bond between players, me, myself, and West Ham fans that has never been broken because their reaction was quite, quite incredible, which I'm sure um, most people, you know, went would, would say that probably that was one of the most 
memorable games they've been to for the the bonding of fans, players, management and everyone. At Aston Villa, there's steps up to the tunnel, uh, up to the foyer where there's a foyer and it was locked and I had to hang about for the keys to get into the changing room. So I couldn't get in. I couldn't, didn't know what was happening. Uh, I think the BBC actually asked me to do an interview while I was up there and I told them where they could go with that. Um, yeah. Because of the sending off and, you know, how, you know, what a decision it was. So eventually I got in the changing room. Um, obviously I had a shower. I was just listening to the roars. I think we hit the post in the first half. When they came in, obviously it was nil-nil and, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether Bill was going to give me a, a bollocking or, or just, uh, you know, just sit down and, and say it. But he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything at all. He just went on about, you know, what we were going to do for the second half. And then um, he said to the lads, like, you know, gave his Chilean speech just before they went out, if you don't do it for the fans out there, if you don't do it for me, you don't do it for anyone, do it for your mate here who's just had the worst refereeing decision ever against him. Do it for your mate. Anyway, they couldn't have been very good mates when they lost 4 <laughs> As we were going out, I went to go, the, the team went down and I hung about with Billy and his coaching staff and I had my tracksuit on and I went to go out on the field of play and sit in the dugout. And a, um, a, an FA official in a blazer come up and said, Tony, sorry, you cannot go near the field of play. You've been sent off from the field of play. And Billy just gave him a pull and said, try stopping him. Now I went and watched the second half and suffered like everyone else, which is... Uh, yeah. But suffered and got goosebumps as well, you know, with the, the reaction of the crowd. I mean, it was incredible, yeah. So going into the last game of the season, we are top of the table. We are. Oldham a second. We're playing Notts County, who were fourth, but had won their last five games, I believe, or six. Under Neil Warnock. Under Neil Warnock. And Oldham are playing Sheffield Wednesday, who were third, but yeah, they'd been promoted already as well. That's correct. We were top on 87 points. Oldham at 85, Sheffield Wednesday 82, Notts County had 77. Were the informed team. But they were the informed team. They'd won their previous five on the trot. But when the match gets underway, proceedings don't quite go according to plan. A win, of course, would have sent West Ham up as champions, but Notts County, one of the league's form teams, and heading for the playoffs, take an early lead. It comes after 17 minutes when Draper drills home a fierce drive. And Draper does the damage again nine minutes later when County surge forward and the Hammers fail to clear, allowing the Nottingham number 10 to crash home goal number two. McClosco for once, well beaten. West Ham, of course, weren't going to let it slip without a fight. And Ian Dowie went close to pulling a goal back when his shot was deflected over. In the second half, the Hammers could have fallen even further behind. A swift break by County exposing the Hammers' defence and it takes a great stop from Miklosko to keep the deficit down to 2-0. Finally, hopes were lifted 13 minutes from time when the Hammers at last got on the score sheet. Paris drilling home. The reverse angle shows what a good strike it was. That makes it 2-1 to County. And a tense moment for West Ham. Manager Billy Bonds wondering, can his side pull it out of the fight? He needed a win to make sure of the title, and the Hammers kept the chances coming right to the end. Skipper Ian Bishop went oh so close with a late header against the bar. 
A good effort and Bishop keeps the pressure on with good work down the right moments later. The ball finally falling to Paris, but his well-struck shot is neatly pushed clear by county keeper Cherry. So the Hammers can't complete the fight back that would have taken them up as champions. Instead, a last-minute penalty by Neil Redfern at Boundary Park lands Oldham the title and Billy Bonds has to settle for the runners-up spot. I was sat A block, West Upper. And it was supposed to be our coronation. We were supposed to be going up back as champions. Yeah. yeah. And and the sickening was, I got locked out. Oh. I was all looking forward to it. I didn't get in. So I'm at this at this point where the game is on. I'm listening to the radio. Probably, probably Keppel Gold at the time. I could have been um, Radio Two Sports Day. And hearing us going one nil down for go out of the car. And then coming back to the car, even we were two 0 down. And then the slow drive back home. I'll leave you with the rest, Nigel. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, I, it, it was. I mean, I, I, again, I mean, as you say, you got locked out. I, I remember it was an, a, a madhouse. Again, I took my girlfriend, who was to be my wife. She was only four foot eleven. Not she was. She still is four foot eleven. So she ain't going on no North Bank. So I managed to get a couple of tickets for the West Upper. Outside, the Tats did a roaring trade. I mean, I, I see someone personally pay £100. I mean, bearing in mind back then, the seat price was probably 15 quid. Yeah, I think you're right, yeah. And that. The, 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 the geezer literally paid 100 quid for a ticket. I mean, you know, we'd, we'd won the title in 81 – the thing with West Ham fans, I always say, is if, if you're winning games, they will turn up. Don't matter what division it's in, I just want to watch winning football. The crowd turn up. Unfortunately, for me, I think Bonds beforehand had actually alluded to the fact he wasn't too concerned about winning the title. His main priority was to go up, which he'd achieved. We didn't play well. I think Draper scored. I remember Draper was was, was, was top-notch for them. And I'm pretty sure he scored one of their goals. They beat us 2-1. The whistle blows. We still think we're the champions because words come in. It's 2 all at Sheffield Oldham. And I remember them dancing over the Tannoy. And, and I don't know if there was like a mini pitch invasion. You know, it's the good old days when you was a lad on the pitch at the last game of the season. Oh, we didn't, did we? Did we invade? Oh, I mean, it, I think I, I, I was upstairs. So yeah. I'm pretty sure I remember watching it and people were waiting because we were expecting the Division 2 trophy to be awarded and it never How come. How did it all come over the tannoy? What happened when you were in the ground? Well, this is I've got, I mean, I've got, this, I've got the sickness coming through on the radio. Oh, it took about five, ten minutes before word got out. We're waiting because we're waiting. It's the last game of the season. Traditionally, the players either come back out on the pitch. They appear in the director's box. I'd, I'd got my girlfriend and, and managed to sort of edge my way over towards the C block, which was where the director's box was, which was where the players would come out and stand there and waiting and um, nothing was happening. And then, I don't know, someone come out and goes... Oldham got a last-minute penalty and won the game 3-2. And it was just flat. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd got promoted. Yeah. And yet we walked out of there. I was gutted. I must admit, I was gutted. I remember being gutted. But it was a great season, Nigel. It was, it, was, it was pure West Ham this season. Everything felt right. Great cut run. 
got in lots of games, saw some great football. But it won't be West Ham without a disappointment, would it? No, I mean you, you're right. I mean we lost we lost seven games, which was one less than Oldham. The Villa semi final was the only game I saw us lose. Yeah, so probably that's why I enjoyed it. I had my own car, I had my freedom, saw lots of goals, wonderful times. Well, I don't think we lost many home games that season. I think we lost two. Then the two I got shut out in. Yeah, the Sheffield Wednesday. Right. Yeah, you're speak. right. The Sheffield Wednesday and the Notts County games were the only two that yeah, we lost. Tell me, it's your fault, Nigel. If you wanted to, if you, if you never met that girl that you ended up marrying and having kids with, it could have been me in there, and I could have <laughs> been the talisman that makes it in the league. <laughs> so it's all your fault. Yeah, it's all my fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I Oh, I blame my uncle, mate. So does all my family. It's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, folks. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. That's the season 1990-91. Typical West Ham. Starts on the high, ends on the low, and the best game was a 4-0 defeat away. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, people. See you later. Ta-da. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.